0: Good morning. Welcome. It is uh, really, really good to have you all here. So, so glad. I spoke to a lady who's here for her first time. I hope she, I won't embarrass her by mentioning her name or anything like that. But it's her first time here this morning as the meeting started. She's telling me how she's been listening to the podcasts. And and I think she said something about them being great. Maybe she didn't, and I'm imagining that. But she, <laughs> I can hear her shouting, she did. Um, and then, so no pressure, no pressure whatsoever from the preacher. Um, and, but do you know what? I was overwhelmed with a feeling because I anyone being in that situation, is this is this okay? Let's try that. One, two, we be better there. Yeah. Okay. So I, I've been in that situation, I, I can remember driving up to Bradford, I'd, I'd heard of this church up there and I'd been listening to some of the podcasts and so I went there and I just wanted to be there and listen live and hear something from God, a little bit of personal testimony. I went up, here, there's a few things that are fundamental to what we believe, okay? One of them is, let me make something really, really clear. We are a church. We're Christians. We believe in God. We believe that God anoints people. So you may see the power of God through a person. You may see a person who has a a, a gift or some skill or whatever it is that can help you, that can benefit you. But at the heart of it all, that we believe that it is God. That it has come from God. The source is Him. He is the reason. If there's any power in me, if there's any power in this church, then we believe it's come from God. We believe that God has anointed us. He's given us a purpose and a calling. And so when I went up to Bradford, I believed that. I didn't go there to see a man. I went there to see an anointing that was on a man. To hear from God through a person. And, you know, I heard from God. So when this lady's telling me, and I'm kind of thinking, oh, my goodness, it's like, you know, not that I'm saying we're some amazing church or anything like that, although I do think we're pretty good, to be fair, you know. I think we're okay. Hey, I'm just being humble here, you know, but I do think we've got a great church. I don't want to play it down too much, but I don't want to kind of big it up too much either. So to hit that middle ground. Am I, am I pitching it right? Am I getting it anywhere near? So I'm like... I'm overwhelmed with excitement for this lady. I'm thinking, she's come to to hear from God. That's incredible, isn't it? I've been there. I know what that's like. And and let me tell you, right, when I went up to Bradford, I think there's something about getting up. Can I say getting up off your backside in church? Can I say that, right? I think there's something about getting up off your backside, right? If I'm going to say it once, I'm going to do it with a bit of emphasis, Right? (laughs) And actually going and doing something about your life, doing something about it, taking a hold of it, valuing what God has given you. You know, there's, there's a whole load of lives in this place this morning. There's a whole load of people in this place this morning. And you know, the Bible says that Jesus died for you. Yeah. He died for you on a cross. He believed so much. That he was God incarnate. He believed it so much that he was willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. You know, as a church, we, we have written down our values and our standards. And we, we, we were reading and we looked at the British Army's values and standards. I don't know if i I, don't know if I mentioned this before, whether it was just with the leadership team. But let me encourage you, if you get a chance, have a look at the British Army's values and standards. If you just Google it, you'll find it. And it's inspiring. It is inspiring because I read that and I think this is like being part of a church. That might sound odd to you that if you're not used to coming to church or you've maybe not got a church background, I'm kind of relating the army to church. But let me tell you, some of us in this place, we have given everything for God. Literally everything. We believe so much in the cause that we are a part of. We believe so much in what God has done that we've gone, God, I give you everything. I give it all. And the British Army, they call it, if you know anything about business, you'll have heard of companies with a limited liability. It's a key phrase you hear in bit limited liability. Limited liability will only go so far. The army say, if you're a soldier in the British Army, then you stand up and you put your hand up to say, unlimited liability. In other words, I am willing to give my life, my life, the ultimate sacrifice for this and this might, this is, Listen, this is a big preach this morning, right? We're not doing the little stuff. We're doing the big stuff this morning. You up for that? Yeah. The life-changing stuff. What I want to talk about this morning, where I'm going, I am going somewhere with this. It may go a little bit around the houses because it's been a funny week. It's been a funny few days. It's even been an, an, an amazing morning, to be quite frank. But anyway... What I want to talk about is what do you do when you are suddenly, and it is actually coincidence that I started talking about the British Army, because that is not in my notes, but what do you do when suddenly you're in the middle of a battle? You're in the middle of a crisis, you're in the middle of a situation. So let's imagine you, you're at work. Let's give an easy example. You're at work and you, you're given a project. So you, you put everything into this project. You, you give everything. You maybe promise that you're going to get a promotion. Maybe someone says to you explicitly, not hinting at it, they say to you, you do well at this, I'm going to promote you, I'm going to give you a pay rise, I'm going to give you this, that or the other. Maybe it's someone in, in family or a, a, a relationship or a friend, and they promise you something, and so you kind of you, you trust them and you go for it and you do what, what is needed. It might not be a work project; it might be something else. It might be someone that you just you, you feel like they're part of you, and you give them everything. You give them, and, and because you're thinking this is great, this is kind of you know this is reciprocal, this is a back and two situation, and you give them everything, and then suddenly out of the blue. The rug is pulled from under you. Suddenly you've given everything to this project. You you promised a promotion. You promised this, that or the other. And suddenly you're told, sorry, no, we're giving it to someone else. Maybe your partner just suddenly out of the blue just leaves you. Maybe suddenly you're just left alone. Maybe your best friend suddenly just, just turns on you. You trusted them, you thought they were, they were someone that you could trust, you thought they were someone that was on your side, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, from nowhere, they just stab you in the back. They say, nah. No, no excuse, no reason, nothing. What do you do? Because here's the thing, in the middle of that situation is not the time when you want to be deciding how you're going to react. If you take nothing away from this message this morning, know that, understand that. In the midst of battle is not the moment, is not the time when you want to be deciding how to react to this situation. You need to know, you need to know in your life, and I believe you can. You can be prepared for any situation whatsoever. For the the worst storm that could come. We have just heard about a lady who is literally, I don't think she was expecting that. That's not an exaggeration to say that has come out of the blue. And suddenly it's hard to think of a situation that could be worse than suddenly you're battling for your very life. What do you do? What do you do in that situation? How do you react? How do you respond? I want to tell you this. That is not the time to be deciding how you're going to respond to that situation. It's too late. Well, maybe I, maybe I probably go a little bit too far to say it's too late because I, I don't. In one sense, I don't believe it's too late, but you've kind of left it too late. In fact, I heard a great public speaker, and, and this guy, he speaks to presidents, and he said he got a phone call of, a, of the president of the United States of America. Anyone had one of them? This guy got a phone call of the President of the United States of America saying, I'm being impeached tomorrow, what do I do? He said, my response was, you called me six months ago. (laughs) Now this was worldly advice that this guy was looking for. But the point is, you don't wait until you're in the midst of battle, till you're right in the middle of a crisis, to decide how you're going to respond and what you're going to do. And you might say to me, "Well, Barry, you know, how on earth am I meant to plan for every eventuality in my life?" You're right. You can't. You can't. But you can. Re- you can decide how you're going to respond to a crisis. You can get your values and your standards. Lined up in your life, ready, so that when that storm comes, you are planted. You are solid. You you know that you are. I'm on a firm. That went quite loud there, didn't it? I'm on a firm platform here. I'm on a firm stage. I know this ain't going to collapse underneath me. I can stand, and I know I'm firm. And in that moment, you need to be able to stand on the, the anchors of life, the real rocks of life that you know this is sure and this is certain and this ain't going to crumble beneath me. Anyone know what I'm on about? We had a, a situation, nothing like what Sir is going through, but we've had a situation literally just in the last couple of days. If I say, we, I found myself, it was mainly me to be fair, I found myself out the blue suddenly being blackmailed by someone. Now, that sounds quite kind of, that maybe conjures up connotations of maybe, you know, CD emails or photographs or this, that or the other. It was nothing like that, okay? Let me just tell you. It was no, I don't mean like that. I don't mean that kind of blackmail. Like, I've got something on, yeah, and I'm going to tell the world. No, it was nothing like that. It was more a blackmail of, hey, I want you to do something, Then if you don't do it, then I'm going to do this. I'm going to hurt myself. Or I'm going to do this, that or the other. And I'm like, whoa, okay, how do I respond in this? So the first thing that goes through my mind is I know that in a situation like that when I don't know what to do, unless I've really, really got to do something and I've got to rely on on what's in there, I I don't respond straight away. I give myself space. Anyone know that's a good thing to do? I gave myself space. I took counsel. I spoke to some people who were trusted, who I could take advice from, and I spoke to them and I sought advice from them. I I, I tried to find out in the time I had as much about the situation and and what was going on and all of this kind of stuff, and then maybe it wasn't so much in this order because prayer for me isn't... Sometimes it is. Sometimes prayer is a moment, but prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer for me... It can be moments, it can be moments when I'm down on my knees, it can be moments when it's verbal, it can be moments when it's in my head, but generally it's a kind of lifestyle, it's being born again, it's being led of the Holy Spirit, and it's a power that is within you, and this might sound odd to some of you, it's a power that is within you. It's in you. It's a part of me that wherever I go, wherever I am, whatever time of the day it is, wherever it is, whatever it is, it's there. It's there. It's unconscious. It is my conscience. It actually pricks my conscience and it leads and it guides my conscience. There's a verse in the Bible that actually says if you attack someone within the church, you're attacking Jesus. You're attacking God. You attack a member of the church. You're attacking God, Paul said, in the New Testament. But he's going further than that. That wasn't the major point he's making, but it is one of the points that he's making there. The point he's making is that if you attack and you try and get someone to violate their own conscience, the, the Holy Spirit wants to affect your conscience. In fact, it says as well in the New Testament, it says when unbelievers... Gentiles it uses, but when it says Gentiles really in the New Testament, it's meaning because they're in a culture of Gentiles were non-believers. So generally, it's easy to take that in our culture, of talking about non-believers, okay? So it says when Gentiles, when non-believers do the things that Christians should or do do, the things that God would tell us to do, then actually what they say is, they, they don't realise this, but what they're doing is, they are preaching God. Yeah. They are preaching God. Yeah. Yeah. When someone does a good turn for someone, with no, for no reason whatsoever, for no benefit to themselves whatsoever, they're preaching God. Yeah. They're not preaching evolution. They're not preaching survival of the fittest. They're not preaching none of those things, they're preaching God. Because none of those things give a reason to do something for someone else when it's completely secret, no one could ever, ever know. Selfishness, survival of the fittest, the strongest survive, all of those kind of things. They say, do your best, fight for yourself, make you number one. The world's saying that all the time, isn't it? But this situation I I, I was put in, and it was, you know, do this, do this. And I'm like, I can't do that. I don't believe it's right. I can't do that. Well, I'm going to do this. I'm like, well, you're going to have to do that because I can't do that. And I I know there's going to be a cost to this. I know this is going to cost. And you know, you know, don't you? You know when someone's kind of doing that, and they're like, if you don't do this. And they they say it subtly at first. Everyone know what I'm on about? They kind of say subtly, hey, if you don't do this, I'm going to do that. And what they're hoping is, they're hoping they can do it subtly and they can just kind of, you know, just kind of twist your arm up your back, just get you to do it without a fight and without an argument. The problem is when it goes against your conscience and you're like, I can't do this. I, and, and I've given myself time to think, I've prayed about it, I've talked to other people, I can't do this. So there's a price to pay. I, I, I've got to make a sacrifice here. I've got to pay a price. And I know it's probably gonna hurt, I've been there, I've been around the block, I've been there enough times to know it's gonna hurt, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be an attack, all this kind of stuff, so it's a price to pay, I've gotta do it, I've gotta do it. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do when you're in that situation? What do you do when you're in a situation where, (laughs) in fact I wrote this down, I'm gonna read it, I thought it came to me this morning, I was like, yeah, I love that, that's great. How do you win? when you can't win how do you win when you can't win well uh, let me tell you the first thing is you have the utmost faith the utmost belief in God that when you can't win you can win because God says you can Jesus is on the throne, and when you can't win, you can win. That there is no circumstance, there is no situation, there is no problem too great that God has not got the answer for, that He cannot solve. That is faith. That is faith. And if you've got that, then when you're in the middle of that, what is it? I'll squeeze you till the pips squeak. Was the phrase that a, a prime minister said uh, in, in the seventies, I think it was. He said, Let's squeeze them till the pips squeak, he said. Let's squeeze them dry, let's get everything about them. Well, when the pips squeak, when my pips squeak, I want you to hear faith. I want you to hear God, I want you to hear the decisions that I made 20 years ago. I want you to hear the, the, the life that I've built, the life that I've put the the faith that I've put in God, I want you to hear that. That's what I want you to hear. And I want you to have the same. I want to be consistent. I don't want to be blown and tossed about and changing and one minute and this and one minute and that. And if everything's going great, he's a happy guy and he's fantastic and he's the life and soul of the party. But hey, when a problem comes, he's down and he's depressed and oh man, he's terrible. I don't believe you have to live a life like that. I don't believe you need to live a life like that. Let me tell you, you don't need drugs. To escape from it, although there are circumstances when they can help. Medicine can help. I'm not decrying medicine, by the way. Let's just clear that up. But long term, long term, most people, they don't need it. They don't need it. They need the core. They need the core things, the fundamental things about life. That when you're squeezed, what's in there comes out. That you know how to respond when a crisis comes. That people see it in you. And you can be broken. I was broken this morning. I got a terrible email. And it just broke me. And I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm literally, out, not physical tears, but I don't often cry very much. Maybe that's a problem with me. But I, I, I'm in tears. I'm, just, I'm crying inside. And I'm literally, I'm just feeling like I'm on the floor. I mean, I've got to get up and preach it in, in an hour or two. And I'm like, I'm on the floor. And I'm thinking, what man, I'm, I'm devastated. I'm absolutely gutted. I'm devastated. Here's a situation I, I put everything into. And, and, and now it's just kind of, boom, have some of that. And I'm like, I'm just on the floor. And then I hear about Sarah and her situation. I'm like, hey, Barry, that's nothing, is it? But you know, before that, before that, when it was everything, before that, when I'm down, when I'm kind of like, you know, I, I, I was hurting. I was emotional. I was in pain because I don't want to. Here's the thing, right? I've made a decision. I don't want to be a person that doesn't hurt. I don't want to be a per- I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be a person that doesn't hurt when people stab me in the back. I've, I've, set, I've decided that. I've decided that that I'll feel the pain. I'll go through the pain when people do that to me. So know if you're going to stab me in the back, you'll, you'll get me. That's fine. I'm cool, but I'm cool with that. I'm prepared. I'm ready for that. But in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the pain, I'm going to have faith. I'm not going to doubt whatsoever, I'm going to have faith, I'm going to stand, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know, I'm, my feet are planted, yeah. planted on the rock, yeah. on a solid, solid, immovable rock. Yeah. Jesus said, when you build your house on the sand, one of the most basic, simple scriptures you'll find in the Bible, if you build your house on sand, yeah. when the storm comes, it will collapse. Yeah. It will collapse But when you build your house on the rock, when your house is built on solid bedrock, firm foundation, when that storm comes, you will stand. Because I'm underneath you, he says. I didn't know how this message was going to come out. I'm like, I don't know if this could be an absolute train wreck. (laughs) When trouble comes knocking... I put a little note in there, Little Boy Blue, anyone seen the, the, the series? I mean, if you've got kids, that breaks your heart because that stuff's going on. If you've not seen it, it's a story about, a, you'll have heard of the boy that was shot in Liverpool in Norris Green. I, I've got, I'm from Merseyside, I've got relatives who live round the corner from that, the, near the dog and gun, right round the corner from where this Poor little boy was shot. Rhys Jones, I think he was 10, 11, round about that age. I might have got the age wrong, forgive me. Um, but that little boy, he, he was shot and it, it, he was just caught in the crossfire. He wasn't even involved or anything like that. He was coming back from a football match. It's hard not to get choked up. And so we're watching this, me and Vicky, wa- i mean, we purposely decided to watch it with our boys and our daughter, um, maybe not the two little ones. We've got teenage boys who are 15. Uh, we've got an 18-year-old daughter, and we, we decided we were going to watch it with them. It was hard. It was tough. Because you, you, the story is, it's about a boy who, who gets asked to basically hide the gun. And, and they bully him. They bully him. They bully this poor lad into hiding this gun. I think, I, I may have this wrong, but I think he's in, still in prison now for it. And this, this, I felt sorry for the lad. Don't get me wrong, he, he's done wrong but he, 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 we can all understand, you can understand something about agreeing with it, can't you? You know what I mean? And this lad is being bullied in and, 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 and all kinds of ways to, to hide this gun. And he caves and he does. And what do you do? What do you do when you're in that situation? Because our children... Going through that, our children, there's knife crime all over the place, it's happening everywhere. What do we do? do? Do you want your child having to make the decision of what they do in the middle of that situation? Does anyone, even if you've not got children, it, it, you, you know, we're, we're not a family church, we don't, you won't even call ourselves a family church because that for me conjures up images of it's just families. So if you're 25, you're a young 25-year-old lad or you're a 20-year-old woman or whatever it is and, and, you, and you've got no family, you, maybe you've come and you've moved to the area, this is the church for you. You don't have to have children or a husband or a wife or you know, even parents or children, anything like that to be part of this church. That's why we don't tend to use that label. We don't want to conjure up the wrong kind of images. But we are a family church in the sense of this is family. Yeah. We're with each other. We stand by each other, we support each other, we help each other. Whether you're you're a single 25-year-old lad or whether you're a a 60-year-old widow. We're family and if you come asking, we'll come and help. And if you don't come asking, we'll try and spot it, but please come asking because sometimes, you know, it's easy to miss, in it? None of us want to be so, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you decide? Let, let me tell you. Let me give you some stories from the Bible. First one I want to share with you is um, I'll, I'll share some of the verses. Like I say, it's a little bit out, out of the box this morning. This is from Numbers 20. This is a, a guy called Moses. I think probably even if you're not a Christian in this place, you've heard of the guy called Moses, haven't you? If you've you heard of Moses basket, if nothing else, that comes from him. <laughs> so Moses was... The, one of the original is. So what I mean by that is he was a saviour of his people. He saved his people. His people were in slavery, in bondage. So many metaphors here of what Jesus did. So many kind of stories of what Jesus did in, in Moses' life. He wasn't Jesus, by the way. He made mistakes, and in fact, this is one of them. And, and Moses, he, he's in a situation. So. W- Bit of the story, you, you'll if you've heard of the Ten Commandments and the film and stuff like that. They, they were in, in slavery, the, the his people, the Israelites, and Moses was called up, raised up by God to freedom. So he went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh refused. Back and two, back and two, and you got this stuff going on. In the end, Pharaoh relents because God gets involved twelve times, and and eventually, and then again and again and again, and God keeps saving him and helping him. But basically, they end up in the wilderness. They, they leave Egypt. They leave their slavery and their captivity and God says, hey, I'm not just taking, they end up in the desert. He says, but I'm not just taking you to the desert. I've got a place for you. I've got a plan for, your, for you for as a people. Uh, the promised land. If you've ever heard the phrase, the promised land. Sometimes they'll use it about football managers they are going to take us to the promised land. It comes from the Bible. The promised land was Canaan. The promised land. It was a place, an actual place, flowing a land of milk and honey. That's another phrase that comes from the Bible, if you've heard that phrase as well. And so they get to the edge of the promised land, and God's saying, right, off you go. Go on in, take it, it's yours. I've given it to you. And, and a load of them go, oh, 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 that looks scary. We're not going in there. We can't do that. And they start moaning and, and spreading like kind of all kind of negativity and all this kind of stuff. And, and like I said the other week, if you hear someone spreading negativity, you wouldn't sit next to someone breathing in their secondhand smoke, would you? Don't do it with someone who's being negative. Keep your distance, because like secondhand smoke, it will damage you. And this, this, this negativity got into everyone, and, and, and basically they went, ah, we don't want to do that, we're too scared, we will stay away. So they didn't. they didn't go in, and so they end up just in the wilderness, in the desert for 40 years, and guess what happens, right? They're in the wilderness, they're in the desert for ages, for decades and decades, they eventually... Wow, a drought happens in the middle of the desert. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's like, wow, I don't know where that was. So suddenly there's this drought, and they're like, there's no water. We're in the desert and there's no water. <laughs> Dope. <Duh>. So <laughs> they do typically what you see, and they start moaning to the leader and going, oh, it's terrible, and you brought us here to die, and you know, and, and they basically have a go at Moses. So they put Moses under pressure. They put Moses under pressure under pressure to do something that he doesn't want to do. Moses is a man of faith. He has his weaknesses, but he's a man of faith. And these people are trying to put him under pressure to do something he doesn't want to do. They want him to go, because what had happened a few years earlier was there'd been a drought before, and God had said to them, strike this rock. Moses had this, this amazing staff, miraculous staff. And, and if you go and you hit this rock, what could, do you know, I was going to ask to get something. What could I... Now, there's an iPad on that. I better not do that. I'll get in trouble. But they, they grab something. Yeah, this one's got nothing on it, has it? Let me just undo this. He, he, he gets this staff, right? And, and he, he <laughs> this staff, the, the, the worship team are nervous now, right? He gets this staff, right? They're nervous because, look, this is made of concrete. And, and it, it's like a rock, in it? even <laughs> my wife pointing at me going barry don't don't do it don't do it they're all saying don't look i can see the faces don't do it right and and he gets this stuff don't worry it's fine he gets this stuff right and yeah, <laughs> come on wayne come on he gets this stuff right and he goes like that uh, and he hits it <laughs> I was tempted I really was I was tempted to do it I, I, I won't do it but it's nice to see your reactions and, and he, he hits this rock and, and water gushes out of it and then they want him to do it again and blah 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 but Moses doesn't want to do it and he goes to God and God says no don't do it it's not quite like that I'm paraphrasing it a little bit but God says no, just go and speak to it this time just go and talk to it just go and say hey give me some water and it'll give you some water and so Moses goes, all right, thanks, God. And, and Moses, he, up to this point, it's brilliant. You're like, wow, what a man. What a great man of God. He's kind of gone into the temple. The Presence of God, it says, has come down. Moses and his brother are there. And, and then Moses goes, all right, thanks, God. And he goes and gets this. And he goes, bang, like that. And he hits it. That's what he does. I cou- sorry, I couldn't resist that time. We'll replace it if necessary. Because it makes the point he went, bang, like that. That's what he did. That's what Moses did. He grabbed it and he smashed it. He smashed it. He smashed it in a rage. Because he was under pressure. He was under pressure. And he was in a rage. And in the moment, the pips were squeezed. And it came out. And the point I'm raising on this is that it cost him just like this is going to cost me now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit of painting. Is it just, oh my goodness, it's my son's. <laughs> oh no, it's going to cost me double now because I'm going to get earache when I get home. Um, <laughs> off my wife, off Joshua, who knows. So, but <laughs> We're not fun in church, can't we? <sighs> ah, But the sad bit of the story is it costs him It costs him because God says, Moses, there's a cost there. See, we, we all think of the cost in terms of doing, don't we? But how often do we just focus on the cost of doing and not the cost of not doing? Or the other way around, how often do we focus on the cost of not doing and not the cost of doing? If you haven't got a job and, and you're kind of enjoying living, the, I'm not criticising you, but you're enjoying living the lazy life and you may, you know, we've all had times where we've not been working and you can fall into that and enjoying it. And you're thinking, ah, oh, well, you know, I could just stay off work and maybe get benefits and whatever and that's great and just, you know, I could maybe go on the sick and all this kind of stuff. i that's great, a great way to do it. Th- listen, that there's, there's, you'll get some money and all of that, but there's a cost. Yeah. There's a cost. You might be thinking, well, there's a cost to work. Of course there is. There's a cost to work. There's a cost to not work. And I know some people can't work, and, and that's fine. If you can't work, I, that's not for me to get involved in. That's fine. It's your conscience. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? It's not for me to decide whether you're being lazy or not, whether you're doing wrong or not. In one sense, not even forget whether the state think you're being lazy or not or anything like that. It's your conscience. Yes. It's your conscience. Your conscience. If you, are, if you are violating, is the word really, if you're violating your own conscience. Then you're doing wrong. Yeah. If you cause someone else to violate their own conscience, you're committing sin. You put someone under pressure. You were one of them ones putting Moses under pressure. Strike the rock, strike the rock, strike. You can imagine them cheering, can't you? Strike the rock, strike the rock, strike the rock. And Moses' is like, oh man, right. And he strikes it. Then it's sin. It's sin. But what when you're the one being put under pressure? What when you're the one being squeezed? There's another story. I've seen this. Let, let me give you some positive ones. Joseph. Joseph. He found himself in a situation, he was a slave, right? A slave for a guy and he found himself in a situation where this guy's wife is coming on to him. I I, I think there's children in so I'll be careful what I say. And he says no. And he says no. Knowing. He knew. I believe he knew. I believe everything tells us he knew. He knew what was going to happen and he he paid the price because do you think she went back to her husband saying, oh yeah, well I came on to him. Different story, mm-hmm. different story. And he paid the price. He was lied about. Can you get that door Trace? Yeah. They're coming. He paid the price. Oh, you have to go backwards, I think. You'll have to go through the back because it'll be locked. He paid the price. Daniel refused to bow. Refused. Throw me into the fire. I refuse to do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. Saul and David. David refused to kill King Saul. Refused. Even though his soldiers were all willing him, go on, he's there, take him, take him. He's right in front of you, take him, take him. You can do it. David's like, no, I will not. I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Whether you understand what that means is, is irrelevant. David knew in his heart, I shouldn't do this. And went, no, I'm not doing it. I will not do it, no matter what the pressure. Jacob. Jacob was being put under family pressure to anoint Manasseh over Ephraim. Yeah. You see, Ephraim was the youngest, Manasseh was the eldest. And Jacob, he was called Israel at the time, he, he anointed Ephraim. And he's being put under pressure, no, 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 the other one, you need to do the other one, that's right, that's what we do round here, that's what you should be doing. He, his, he was the granddad at the time, and the dad's going, no, you need to anoint my son, that one. No, no, I won't do it. I refuse. I refuse. I won't do it. Peter and John, before the Jewish leaders will throw you in prison, will beat you with sticks. Stephen. Stephen stood there knowing they're going to stone him to death and they did. No, I refuse, I refuse, I won't do it, no matter what the cost, I will not do it. Pastors, today, possibly this morning, with a gun to the head, renounce, stop this, stop doing this affecting our culture, we don't want it, no, I refuse, do what you will, I refuse, you can't decide in that moment, don't think now, oh in that moment, don't plan now for what you will do in that moment, because in that moment your flesh may fail you, it may not, I don't know, but guess what, you don't know either, you don't know either, unless You've decided and you've planned and you've planted and you know and you've made your decision now over what type of a person you want to be, how you want to behave, how you want to react. When, when the crisis happens, what your response is going to be when you don't get what you want, even though you should get what you want, you've decided, here's how I'm going to respond, here's what I'm going to do, here's who I am, here's what my values are, here's what my standards are. Would you, ju- would you stand with me for a minute? Can we do something together? Just while the music's playing. Just take a moment. Just take a moment. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? when disaster strikes? What are you gonna do when the storm comes? Who are you gonna turn to for help? Where are you gonna pray? What price are you willing to pay? Because when it came to it this week, this person was putting me under pressure. My response was this. I I, I really, really want to. I really want to do what you want me to do. But not at any cost. It's not at any cost because I've counted the cost. I've done it. My wife's done it. My family have done it. My friends have done it. The people in this church, so many of you have already done it. We've counted the cost and we've decided and it'll get you through. I, I... Maybe we could have a song. I, I don't know where to go with this because in some respects it's a personal thing. But maybe for some of you the response is maybe you wanna come out for prayer. I, I, I don't think that's for everyone but I do think that's for some of you. Maybe you suddenly you're in the midst of a battle at the moment, in the midst of a crisis and when I said before, you know, it's, if you notice, I, I was wrong to say it's too late. It's never too late. The time was maybe six months ago. <laughs> but hey, it's never too late. It's never too late. Do you want prayer? You want help? Come out in a moment. But before we do, I, I, I want to pray. I want to pray with you. Have you decided? Have you chosen? Have you made your decision? What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose faith or are you going to choose doubt? Are you going to choose fear or are you going to overcome and choose trust? Are you going to choose the world and its ways? Are you going to choose God and his eternal ways? I don't really know what the world's promises are. Maybe, you know, £79 a week benefit or, you know, a, a pension, a state pension of 100 and, what is it, £120 a week or something. I don't know what the world's promise is. You know, we'll, we'll try and make a good job of Brexit. I don't know, there's, there's a few promises out there that the world gives us, isn't there? We have an army to protect us and all those things are good, but... There was fear in World War II. Fear in World War I. People didn't know whether they were going to survive. The king and queen of this country, they called our nation to prayer. They called our nation to prayer. Who are you going to turn to? Are you going to turn to the world or are you going to turn to God? If you've chosen God, maybe if we could bow our heads close, I don't know, if you want to, it doesn't matter. If you've chosen God, raise your hand. I've chosen God. I've chosen him. I've chosen faith. I've chosen belief. I've chosen trust in the eternal one. The one who says, I'm not a man that I would lie. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you, he says. I will always be there. Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray for every response this morning, for every single person, Lord, that has raised their hand to you. Lord, and I pray now, we pray together now, Lord, that when disaster comes, when the storms come, when the challenges come, when the pressure comes, Lord, Lord, that we would remember this moment, that we would mark this day, that we would remember, Lord, that we chose you, That it is you in whom we put our faith and our trust, Lord. And you're the one, Lord. You're the one, Lord, that will never leave us and never forsake us. In Jesus' name. And as for me and my church, we serve the Lord. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.